All right, everybody, this episode of the Golf Guide podcast is proudly presented to you by GolfGuide.net. GolfGuide.net is a tremendous online resource where you can uh, learn information about every golf course uh, on the Pacific Coast. It is also a great place to find discounted rounds of golf uh, to dozens of golf courses across Northern California. And it's also a great place where you can go and sign up for some super kick-ass trips to some of the Pacific Coast's premier golf destinations, including the finest golf resort in America, also known as Bannon Dunes. Yes, yours truly will be there December 13th through the 17th. And at golfguide.net, you can click on the events link at the top of the homepage where you can learn more and sign up to join me at Bannon Dunes for four days of just world-class golf, strong cocktails, and delicious hearty food. So if that's something that is of interest to you, I encourage you to go to golfguide.net, check it out, sign up, and I will see you there. All right, without any further delay, let's have another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. Bang! Just like that, I am back. Uh, hi there, everybody. This is your host, Kyle Serlo, riding solo uh, this week. Um, I figured it'd just be, uh, you know, it'd be nice and easy. I, I got a couple uh, things I wanted to discuss with all of you this week, most notably some of my takeaways uh, from the media day for the Safeway Open, uh, which will be taking place at Silverado Country Club later this month. Um, and so I just wanted to share some of my experiences, get uh, get everybody in the Bay Area a little pumped up for a little fall action on the PGA Tour. And then I was just going to briefly share some of my thoughts uh, regarding the Tour Championship and the end of the 2019 season of the FedEx Cup. I, I'm i only briefly going to touch on that stuff in today's podcast because I've got a, a number of different guests that I want to bring in over the next couple of weeks to uh, kind of get their input because... Uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to bury the lead here when I say that your host was underwhelmed, <laughs> uh, to say the least, uh, about the Tour Championship and the totality of the FedEx Cup. So uh, I'll elaborate a little bit more on that later in the podcast. But I did want to start, uh, as I had mentioned, with some takeaways from Media Day for the Safeway Open, uh, which took place last week. Uh, so for those of you who are more unfamiliar or someone who's listening to this who does not reside uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, the Safeway Open is going to be the third um, tournament on the 2020 PGA Tour calendar. I believe things kick off at the Greenbrier uh, and then we'll move to somewhere in the south uh, for the Sanderson Farms um, Championship. And then finally, the Safeway Open will be the third event on the 2020 calendar. And uh, they had all media members out last week for a, as I said, media day where they had a press conference. Uh, the tournament director, who is a very, very charismatic man, uh, I, I think, you know, for a job like that, you probably have to be. But uh, he, he sat us all down for about 90 minutes, uh, went through some different things that are going to be taking place uh, at the tournament, which admittedly I, I'm, I'm kind of excited about. I'm, I'm very curious to see uh, how it's going to shake out. And uh, I... I anticipate that for anybody that ends up visiting and uh, going to the Safeway Open as a patron, um, we'll have a pretty good time. Uh, unless, of course, if you don't like golf and you like being sober, 
then I would probably say maybe it's a skippable event. Uh, but if you do like golf and you do like alcohol and pretty good food, um, I, I think this would probably be a pretty worthwhile event to uh, to go to, you know, to wander on over to. So basically, uh, this tournament director, the you know, at the press conference, the theme was golf, the golf festival model, meaning that they're going to be focusing on golf, food, wine, and music, all things I can get behind. So I think they're bringing back their concert series where um, if you have a you know, just a, a single an admission ticket for any particular day. I, I think even with a single day admission, you can get in for any of the days you want. They're going to be doing a concert series, right? So, I think Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, every night out at Silverado, they're going to be having a concert to complement um, all the action going on. Thursday night, fucking Bad Company's playing, killer. Friday night, country guy Jake Owen, and then Saturday night. <laughs> Matchbox 20's own Rob Thomas. Wow. that Those are three names that I admittedly uh, would never have thought of to be like, you know what? I would love to go see these guys. Granted, I would love to go see Matchbox 20 because it really does take me straight back to fifth grade. Um, but admittedly, three three bands or performing artists that I would not have thought that I wanted to see, but given the t- context of... Yeah, after watching a day of golf, putting back, you know, eight, nine, ten, however many drinks throughout the course of the day. You know, those are all three very acceptably excellent uh, musical acts to go and uh, enjoy an evening to. So that is going to be very, very cool. Um, you know, the tournament director, who I, I feel bad that I'm uh, I'm missing his name right now. I've, I've got it written down on another notebook somewhere, but it's, uh, it's, it's not important. But basically, um, he kept on reinforcing to all of us media members how... He wants to make this the most affordable and highest value tournament on the PGA Tour. I think it had just won another award for the most fan-friendly event on the PGA Tour calendar. I think it shares that honor with the tournament down in Scottsdale, which, you know, I mean, it's a goddamn shit show, but it looks like a hell of a good time. Um, This tournament, I think, is decidedly less of a mess in terms of sloppy drunkenness. Um, But what it makes up for in, you know, puke on the ground i think it more than makes up for in super super delectable eats uh, i i know just for the media day that we went to last week they had fucking thomas keller <laughs> the man behind the french laundry one of the most revered chefs not just in america but the world over his restaurant group is going to be was the one catering the media event and is going to also have a large presence um in terms of the food that is going to be available uh, at this golf tournament so Again, it's pretty crazy, man. Like, the, the golf, um, I'm going to share with you some of the guys that they've had commit to the tournament already. Um, the golf should be pretty damn good. The food, seemingly, is going to be great. Obviously, if you like wine, um, you, you, not really a better place in the United States to come and enjoy some good wine than in the heart of Napa Valley. Uh, the music, as I said, you know, Bad Company, Jake Owen, Rob Thomas, that should be pretty killer. Um, if you like to drink beer, you're not much of a wine person, well, lucky for you, there's some damn good beer uh up in the north bay area as well so i think um whatever whatever your vice is i i think you are going to be able to enjoy yourself um out at the safeway open a little later this month i i I personally always am a little skeptical when it comes to these media days i try to go in there you know obviously yeah like i said being a little bit skeptical and making them you know I came out of there getting really, really pumped for this golf tournament. They did a very good job. Whether they brainwashed me or they just put on a really good event, I, I don't really know. Uh, but I did come away thinking this is going to be a really, 
really good time. Um, if you're, I, I think this, uh, even though it's the Safeway Open, uh, I think Chevron is like the second presenting sponsor of this thing. So if you're like a Safeway club card member or you have some sort of a Chevron uh, loyalty, I, I, I literally don't know what their rewards program is, but if you have any kind of an affiliation or any kind of a rewards uh, set up with either of those two companies, I think you get a super steep discount on tickets. We're talking like 35 bucks for a single day ticket or $85 for a week-long pass, which is just awesome. And again, um, either one of those, I think, gets you access to all the concerts and stuff like that going on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. So that is pretty awesome. Um, because this is a golf podcast, and you guys didn't uh, you know, didn't turn this on to get my thoughts about Thomas Keller and his uh, super bougie-ass chicken recipe, um, here are a couple of players that have already committed to playing in this year's Safeway Open. Now, granted... Take all of these names with a grain of salt because it, it seems like it wasn't that long ago where Tiger Woods was committed to playing in the Safeway Open right at the beginning of his comeback only to bail the last second. So there was certainly a possibility that one or more of these guys do not end up showing up. Um, but I would say there's a better than 50% chance that all these guys that are committed um, will end up coming. So uh, he played in the tournament last year, but you know everyone's favorite, Phil Mickelson, is going to be playing this year. Uh, my grandma's favorite golfer and one of my favorite golfers as a young child before Tiger Woods broke out on the scene, Mr. Fred Couples, Masters champion, former world number one, will be playing in this year's tournament. Uh, one of Donnie's uh, favorite golfers on tour, John Daly, is going to be playing this year. Uh, Masters champion and perhaps the guy on tour that maybe has the best swing, uh, at least in my opinion, on tour, Adam Scott is going to be there. Uh, 2017, or excuse me, 2018 uh, Open Champion Francesco Molinari is going to be there. Uh, Tony Romo, uh, who somehow seems to keep uh, getting sponsored exemptions, is also going to be playing in this tournament. Uh, one of the top-rated amateurs in the world. Uh, if you follow the amateur golf scene, Akshay Bhatia, who is the left-handed phenom who's been working with uh, George Gankis down in Southern California, um, he is literally going to be turning professional. He will be making his professional debut at the Safeway Open, which is pretty wild. I mean, he certainly, um, as a junior amateur, uh, is probably one of the most highly touted um, young talents we've seen come up. Now, granted, it is a little bit different given the fact that his amateur, all of his amateur golf, he has not played collegiately. I don't think he's planning on playing collegiately, especially if he's planning on making his pro debut. So logic would say that he's probably not going to be playing college golf. So to see somebody actually turn pro at age 17, 18, kind of unprecedented. Um, so it's going to be very, very interesting to see um, how he does uh, at the tournament later this week. So really... The, you know, th th this pl this tournament is going to have a little bit of star power. I, I think it's going to be a really good time. Um, yeah, just uh, came away very impressed. Um, and and that's you know, and I haven't even started talking about the golf course yet. Um, you know, d despite living in the Bay Area for the large majority of my life, uh, probably about half of my adult life, you know, after I graduated from college up in the uh, the lovely metropolis that is Chico, California. Uh, I lived in San Francisco for a number of years, moved away, moved back to Sonoma County, lived there for a couple years before I moved back up uh, to the Central Valley, where I've now been for a couple years. Um, and despite all the time that I've spent in the Bay Area working in the golf industry these past couple of years, 
your boy had never played the North Course at Silverado until last week. Um, and after taking some notes and, and playing out there, I got to tell you, I liked that golf course a hell of a lot more than I thought I would. And it's not just based on the fact that it's in a beautiful setting, which it, it's absolutely stunning out there. Um, the golf course actually had, you know, some nice strategic bite to it. I, I was very, very impressed. Now, my takeaway was it had a lot of strategy. It had a lot of really kind of cool, subtle dog legs that really forced you to, you know, actually get it to a very specific spot in the fairway. Otherwise, you were going to get messed with trees that are hanging on the inside parts of the dog leg or bunkers of trees hanging on the outside part of holes where it actually commanded golfers to hit spots off the tee quite a bit more than I was anticipating. So I think that certainly plays a role in this golf course being able to defend itself against par. Um, but the, my, my biggest takeaway was, you know, for me, someone who is a eight handicap, you know, I was playing relatively well, not great, but relatively well. And I think I was playing the golf course from was probably like 6,500 yards, all right? Some, some, nothing nothing crazy. It might have been 6,600 yards. And there were a lot of spots where I had wedges into par fours. So, you know, given these guys in the tour are probably hitting their drivers almost 100 yards further than I am, um, I, I would imagine they're probably also going to be having a ton of wedges into these tournaments. Um, what kind of blew my mind, and I was actually asking one of the, uh, the tournament staffers about this at the... Um, a little bit of a kind of conference we had after playing golf is, you know, this tournament plays as a par 72, okay? And when this tournament's going on, it's playing at about 7,200 yards and change, maybe closer to 7,300 yards. Um, but again, a par 72 at 72, 7,300 yards, we're, we, we've grown accustomed to seeing these guys on the PGA Tour play courses that are 75 plus 100 yards at a par 70 and they're shooting like 15 20 under right so it would stand to reason that a shorter golf course with greens that admittedly don't have a ton of you know undulation to them. i mean the greens are very much like resort style i mean silverado while it is a private golf club it is first and foremost a resort and the courses and especially the green complexes, um, at least from my experience there last week, did not have a whole lot to them. And so I kept thinking to myself, you know, how is it that the last couple of years that the winning score out of this golf tournament seems like it's always somewhere with around 15 under par, right? Um, again, if this thing was a par 70, like it would be set up for most other PGA Tour events, then you're taking eight strokes off par. And so really that minus 15 is a lot more like minus 8, you know, minus 7, minus 8. And I was thinking to myself, like, what other tournaments are the winning scores, you know, other than, you know, the majors? I mean, weather, you know, weather aside, what other golf tournaments are you actually seeing on the PGA Tour where the winner's shooting 8 under par, you know, like 7 under par? And I just couldn't figure it out. I was like, how, how are the pros not going way, way way lower out here um the explanation that i that i received from some of the tournament officials was simply that you know there's not a lot of character out on those greens but every single green has four or five little placements that are right next to ridges that make it just hard enough where a lot of a lot of guys out there just seem to have a tough time with the greens now again i didn't really see it because for media day they did not have the pin set up in 
any of the locations um, that these guys are going to be playing with for the tournament. But, you know, it's just, uh, I found it very interesting. He mentioned to me that Rory McIlroy had a lot of trouble with the greens out at Silverado and the one time he played in the golf tournament. And they said that they were really the golf course's only defense. And, man, just given what I see at, at a lot of these tournaments these guys are playing, especially in the majors, where some of these greens are just so radical and just out of just out of hand with how much slope they're dealing with. Um, these seemingly benign greens at Silverado, I guess, provide these pros with a lot of uh, a lot of challenges, and it's just very interesting to see a golf course at that yardage, um, still at a par seventy-two, present what I guess is a fair test of golf um, for many of the best players in the world. Is pretty cool. It certainly it certainly got me buzzing and, and is getting me excited actually to uh, watch golf in a part of the year where I typically could give. It, it seem, let's put it this way, it would be really hard, even as somebody who hosts a golf podcast. All right, loves golf. Uh, it would be hard for me to really give any fewer fucks about the fall season on the PGA Tour than I do. But that is not the case for the Safeway Open. Now, granted, a big portion of that is that it's a local event that uh, I'll be covering. That I, I, I think I'm, you know, going to try to attend on a Thursday, possibly a Friday. I have a wedding to go to uh, down in Monterey on that Saturday, so I will not be there uh, over the weekend. But man, it's a. Uh, I, I am actually very, very curious to see what happens when the pros visit Silverado later this month. Um, we call that a successful media day. The media, yours truly is excited about this tournament in large part because of the media day. So, (laughs) job well done. Job well done to the tournament organizers. It looks like it's going to be a really, really fun event. If you guys want to learn more information or you guys want to go and uh, find yourself some tickets, just Google Safeway Open. Uh, It'll take you right to their website and uh, just follow the prompts to buy tickets there. Um, Yeah, it should be really, really awesome. Really, really looking forward to that. Um, all right. And with that in the rearview mirror, I just, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, wanted to share a couple of quick thoughts, uh, both on the tour championship, the FedEx cup playoffs, uh, as well as, you know, kind of, you know, now that it's in the rearview mirror, what my thoughts were, um, for the schedule, you know, this new revised schedule where we move the PGA championship up to May, you know, basically get one major championship a month from April to July. Um, you know, I, I have to admit, at least for the schedule for the new season, as it was happening, I really didn't mind it at all. I, I actually kind of enjoyed the PGA Championship in May. Um, but it's weird that for a change that I kind of liked while it was happening, for whatever reason, now that the, the season's over, I, I, I do have a feeling of just dissatisfaction and I, and I can't really pinpoint where that is it may have more to do with the conclusion of the FedEx Cup and the Tour Championship than anything else but um, I, I know the Tour players you know Justin Rose has voiced that he was not a fan of the new schedule Rory McIlroy has come out and said he was not a fan of the new schedule um, citing you know just not really enough time in between major tournaments to kind of um be able to prepare properly and allow enough breathing room to possibly participate in some other tournaments in between major championships. So I don't know. I, again, I, I don't know why I feel dissatisfied now. I I think, you know, it'll take a little bit more reflection for me to come up with a more, a nuanced uh, take, but I, 
I do have three or four other people, uh, a few of whom I've reached out to that I know are big golf fans, friends of mine, people uh, that have been on this podcast before, um, who I'm very curious to hear what their thoughts are because maybe it'll help me solidify and kind of find my voice and, and be able to actually put into words exactly how how I feel about this new condensed schedule. I, Admittedly, I, I guess, you know, in the moment it feels good, but man, I think on the whole probably is a little better to have things a little more spread out. I mean, maybe... You know, if, if they could get to a thing where we get a major championship every six weeks, that's that's probably the sweet spot, right? You know, instead of every four, like maybe do, a, you know, the Masters, obviously, the beginning of April, have the PGA Championship at the end of May, maybe the U.S. Open somehow switches to early July, and then uh, we put the PGA Championship at the beginning of August, or, or, you know, or I, I should say uh, <laughs> the Open Championship at the beginning of August. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing some things out there. To me, that would seemingly, I mean, I don't th- I don't really see how anybody could argue with that other than people, you know, traditionalists who say, no, the U.S. Open has to be in June. The Open Championship is July. I, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe like a six-week break in between each of the majors would give all of us an appropriate run-up. And enough time to get, you know, sufficiently pumped and excited for each individual major championship where, like, I know when the PGA Championship was rolling around and we were two weeks out, we were kind of thinking like, shit, man, I'm still kind of kind of buzzing off Tiger's victory still. I don't know if I'm ready for another major championship. I kind of want to just soak this one in and sort of just let it marinate for a little while. So um, I I do like the format. I, I do like the PGA Championship now residing between the Masters and the U.S. Open, um, but I think it certainly could use a little more space in between them. Um, with regards to the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup playoffs, I my thoughts on that are a little more poignant. I know that, uh, I think it might have been Jeff Shackelford on his blog, cited that he's had a lot of people reach out to him saying that it was embarrassing and they hated how much um, the money was mentioned during the Tour Championship, how every single putt, you know, like, yeah, this is for a million dollars. And admittedly, I actually found it to be pretty fucking annoying as well. I, for me, that tour champ. I mean, dude. What, I mean, where do I start? I, I, okay. I'm just gonna come out and say it. I fucking hate the FedEx Cup. I think it is the most pointless, useless, professional playoff season-long bullshit in all of sports. There, off my chest. If you listen to this podcast a lot, you probably already knew that I felt that way. Uh, I've said, you know, about as much uh, in previous uh, episodes of this podcast, but it's like, man, like, what's the point? Like, nobody, like, again, I'm a big golf fan, and I just couldn't care less. I just don't give two shits about the FedEx Cup. you telling me a season-long tournament where basically the guys that win each of the first two playoff events automatically shoot to the top of the standings, and have like a huge advantage over the rest of the field because they played good for one week in the play. Like, I don't know, man. Like, if this is really going to be a thing, like, like Jess said a couple episodes ago, either just use the money list as a way to cal- calibrate all that kind of stuff, or just how about this? How about we don't have a FedEx Cup and we just don't have quote unquote playoffs? That it's just not how golf works. Like, it, it just, uh, I, I don't know. I, again. I actually really want to have this discussion with somebody else so I can actually get their feedback. We can go back and forth a little bit. But, man, I just thought the whole, you know, I have no problem with these guys making a shitload of money uh, at the Tour Championship. I mean, at the end of the day, golfers work just as hard and practice probably more 
than any other professional athlete. Their travel schedules are as demanding, if not more demanding, than every other professional athlete in America. Um, they're the ones that don't play, you know, that play without guaranteed contracts, I should say. Um, I mean, golfers, I, I have no problem uh, with the best players in the world, you know, making 15 million dollars or you know but i guess it'll end up being being about 20 million dollars in the season for roy mcelroy i got no problem with that all right you know i mean do i even have to name off all the shitty baseball players that are making 25 to 30 million dollars uh this season i mean shit i can name you five of them on the san francisco giants jeff samarja buster posey brandon crawford brandon belt johnny cueto i could go on okay I, I digress it's you know i got no problem with these guys making a bunch of money but man that tour championship broadcast it was like nails on a chalkboard, man. I, the whole like this putt, the four hundred and eighty thousand dollar difference if he makes this putt, and I kept thinking to myself, I was like, well, all they're doing is talking about money. As a fan, it just makes me feel like I'm watching somebody at their job, at their work, you know. Like, and granted, these guys do play golf for a living; it is their job, but it kind of removed like the air of competition and sport. You know, like, you want to make a putt to, like, be a champion. Like, if you're just telling me he wants to make this putt to make a fuckload more money, it's like, okay, like, fine, I guess. Like, I hope, sure, I hope he makes a ton of money. That's cool, I guess. Like, it it just, it seemed like it removed something special. Like, the whole, the reason that we watch sports to begin with is to watch people compete and want to win for the sake of, you know, besting their competitors and just being the best. And just the excessive talk about the money kind of removed that for me. And I don't know if that's the same reason why a lot of other people had a lot of issues with the money being brought up so relentlessly um, during that telecast. But it just, it was weird, man. It, it was weird. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm going to be very, very curious to talk about this um, with guests here in the upcoming episodes of the podcast. I know. Now that the off-season is here, I, I, I can't lie to you. This is actually my favorite time of the year to be doing this podcast because <laughs> uh, I still like playing golf a lot more than I like watching golf. I mean, with the exception of the major championships, I'd rather play golf than watch golf 99 out of 100 times. Um, and when it gets to be the off-season, it kind of allows us to be able to like take a break and kind of look at professional golf from a, like a wider lens, which to me is a much more fascinating topic of conversation. I mean, I, I love thinking of different ways that, you know, the PGA Tour could actually improve and make me want to watch it more, but uh, that's a discussion uh, for a different day. But um, doing that kind of stuff, talking about things off the course, you know, travel and things like that is something we really get to focus on a whole hell of a lot more in the off season. And uh, I am really, really excited to get after it. And uh, I hope you guys are excited to listen as well because um, I, I think the next couple months here, uh, we're going to be having a really, really, really good time. Uh, and with that, that's the show, everybody. Nice, tight, quick, you know, in and out. Don't tell my wife. Um, that's it, everybody. I thank you guys very much for listening to the podcast. If you guys want to support what we do here, uh, go to iTunes and leave us a review and a rating. Uh, if you do that, it helps us reach more listeners. And if we can reach more listeners... Uh, we can, you know, maybe one day actually get a community of knuckleheads to get in together and, uh, you know, just talking golf, just talking about what we love, what we hate, not all just on the PGA Tour, but here uh, here on the West Coast. There's so much there's so much good golf here on the West Coast. We're so fucking spoiled. Um, and so in this golf, you know, in this podcast, 
Uh, certainly, I'm going to be making... There's, there's going to be a lot more content on Simply Golf here on the West Coast and, and far less content on uh, the professional game here in the next couple of months. So, as I said, very excited about that. If that's something that excites you, I invite you guys to keep on coming back and keep on listening. I think we're going to have a good time here. So, uh, with that, everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend. I'll be back next week. And until then, adios. Adios.